This episode of Extraterrestrial Reality is brought to you by the functional mushroom gummy brand, Trumi. Let's face it, waiting for full UFO disclosure can make you feel downright rotten and crummy inside. This gummy product, however, is designed to make you feel A-OK. Feeling good should be natural and easy. This is why Trumi has taken some of the best ingredients grown right here in the good old US of A and infused them into one of the most delicious gummies on the shelf. Nootropics shouldn't have to taste like the earth. Who wants to eat dirt? The last time I tasted dirt was when I was a curious kid. I mean, didn't everyone try that? With Trumi, you don't have to worry about that. These gummies taste great. These delicious treats can help you conquer your days and stay on track with whatever this big old world throws your way. Find your true me with Trumi and explore the natural world of nootropics. For more information about Trumi, make sure to click on the link included in the description for this episode. Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Well, the Ariel School UFO incident of 1994 is beginning to drive the debunkers and deniers totally insane, actually. Uh, it's really cracking them. They're, 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 they're beginning to crack up because of this. And uh, it's understandable. I mean, these are people who uh, really don't want to believe in this extraterrestrial reality. But unfortunately, they're having a lot of issues uh, with the Ariel School because it's undeniable. Uh, anyway, I you know I recently been I've been talking about this. I, I recently did a couple of uh, podcasts about this, and one of the recent ones was uh, entitled "Deciphering the Aerial School Aliens Message," uh, where I said that you know it seems like maybe the message that was being sent by these beings that that day in uh, September of 1994 was that uh you know they're they're warning us they're basically giving us a warning that if we uh try to use nuclear weapons on one another again that they're going to uh take over that's just you know it was just a, just a theory uh but you know i've been talking about this a lot and there was another recent podcast where i talked about how basically uh the aerial school incident uh makes makes this whole thing undeniable you can't deny that there's a extraterrestrial presence here i mean there was just too many witnesses, okay? And uh, just to give a brief overview again of the aerial school incident, which I have given uh, several times recently, basically in, in September of 1994 during a recess in the morning uh, at this school uh, in Rua, Zimbabwe called Aerial School, uh, there was a bunch of children outside uh, on a recess playing, eating their lunches, and then while the teachers were inside at a conference. And uh, what happened was... Uh, uh, Flying saucers showed up with alien beings, and a lot of these kids, over 60 kids, said they witnessed this, uh, a flying saucer and alien beings, and some of the kids had received uh, telepathic messages uh, from one of these beings. Well, I for the more more recent video, I, I, posted, uh, I posted it on Twitter. I, I usually don't do that a lot anymore. Sometimes I do, but this one, I, I made a little clip from the video, and I included the link for the for that uh for that podcast uh video on twitter and i and i usually don't receive any kind of comments i don't have that big of a following on twitter i only have maybe i don't know 200 and 250 followers maybe not that many um and uh but anyway i did get me some responses from uh debunkers on this and uh well actually well we're gonna start with uh there was 
uh, had Mick West, the, the biggest debunker of our age, had uh, posted something. Uh, you know, you know, you know. He always posts, you know, rotten, uninspiring, uh, anti-extraterrestrial reality rhetoric on his Twitter feed. Uh, that's uh, you know, that's what he does. Um, and I, I put a response in there, writing, and I wrote the 1994. Or he was basically downplaying the whole thing that there's nothing to it, you know. And I wrote, and I wrote, I tweeted back to him saying the 1994. Aerial school incident makes it undeniable there is an extraterrestrial presence here. Just because Mick West hates this reality and spouts against it means nothing. And P.S. Who cares about gimbal rotation? Bottom line is it's a flying saucer. Rotation stuff is irrelevant. That's something else I've been hammering away at recently. Like there's all this discussion by debunkers and deniers. Oh, that the ro- there's something with the rotation in that video. Like like uh, that it's really the the object itself isn't real rotating. That's some that's a uh, uh, the camera's just rotating. That's it. Well. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not. There's other people saying that that's not true. I, I, I'm not sure. And the bottom line is, as far as I'm concerned, what does it matter if the gimbal was a flying saucer, right? Uh, but then uh, there was somebody that named UFO historian. This believe this uh, a Twitter user named UFO historian. I don't know who this person is. They're, that's not their real name, obviously. UFO historian. This person's not a UFO historian, however. This person's a UFO debunker. That's what his real name should be. But he, this guy just debunks everything. He has no proof to back any of his claims up either. Uh, and he wrote, If you think the aerial case is undeniable, you need to recalibrate your e- evidential standard. Three quarters of those children reported that nothing at all happened. Well, there were 60-some kids that did see something that happened. And I don't, even, I don't know where he got his information from about the three-quarters of the children. I don't know how many kids were at school that day, but what does it matter? There were 62 kids who did see something, so what does that matter? Uh, <clears throat> and then there was another one here. It says uh, somebody, somebody named Fubar saying, I'm not privy to all the details of the case, but I think I remember seeing Brian Dunning. Let's just stop here for a minute. Brian Dunning, he's another debunker. This is a guy who's just debunk sits back in his armchair throws out you know just makes proclamations i proclaim it's not real next that's all he is but anyway this this person here named fubar on twitter wrote i'm not privy to all the details of the case but i think i remember seeing brian dunning claiming hind and mac now okay hind is actually cynthia hind uh, she was the the first ufo investigator to go to uh, ariel school and interview the kids and teachers and mac jo- dr john mac of course he showed up later on uh, not long afterward he's the uh, the late uh, harvard psychiatrist dr john mack who went out there and interviewed the kids but anyway this person's saying i'm not privy to all the details of the case but i think i remember seeing brian dunning claiming hind and mack corrupted the data by way of the interview process seems like another story that'll forever be lost in the ethos with no real resolution unfortunately Uh, what (laughs) what are you talking about because brian dunning claimed something brian dunning who did no research on this who just sat back in his armchair and just did nothing and just claimed that they corrupted the data what are you talking about anyway it's driving them crazy they can't stand this story aerial school to these people right let me tell you something the aerial school UFO incident is like, uh, it, it's like kryptonite to Superman. That's what this is to the debunk. It's the same. I ask you what the way kryptonite is to Superman, the way it acts on Superman. That's what the aerial school is doing to the UFO extraterrestrial reality deniers and debunkers. It's acting like that. It's like the crucifix to Dracula, like I like to say. That's what it is. You know, it's like, uh, 
in The Exorcist, you know, in the movie The Exorcist, where the, the, at the end of the, I'm sure a lot of people either, if you didn't see it, you heard of it. Uh, in the movie The Exorcist, that the there was a young girl uh, played by Linda Blair. She was possessed by Satan, and at the end, there's two priests that come and try to exorcise the demon from her. Uh, and they're at one point, you know, they're, you know, they're standing there with the crucifix, you know, I, you know, by the power of Christ, I compel you, right? I, in this case, it's like by the, by the power of aerial school, I compel you because this, the aerial school is driving the reality into these people and they don't like it and they're freaking out about it. They have to respond. They have to say things like this. I'm not privy to the details of the case, but I think I remember seeing Brian Dunning claiming Hind and Mac corrupted the data by way of the interview process. Seems like another story that will forever be lost in the ethos with no real resolution, unfortunately. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's not lost. There's still a lot of witnesses here. Though You have to remember, there's over, over 60 kids. They're all grown up now. They're all saying the same story. See, again, this is driving them crazy. The aerial school is turning out to be the key here because it's undeniable. You can't deny this. It's, it really happened. There was actually a flying saucer landed. Alien beings came out, and, and one of those beings communicated telepathically with some of these kids. Uh, anyway, uh, getting moving on here, and w when I when I posted that video about deciphering the aerial school's alien message, I received some other uh, comments there. In fact, I received a comment from Gideon Reed, uh, and if you all remember, I talked about him earlier this year. Gideon Reed was uh, the person who uh, drummed up that phony uh, puppeteer troupe. Uh, explanation. He tried to say that uh, what the kids really saw was uh, there was a traveling puppeteer show that stopped there somehow magically. And they all, I don't know how he thinks this could have possibly happened, but but he's saying that the that there was puppeteers that showed up at the school, unbeknownst to all the teachers inside, right? And somehow were dangling UFO, big giant UFOs and alien beings somehow, and somehow making the sending telepathic messages into the kids' brains with these puppets. I don't know how that was possible, but anyway, that's who that person is, if you remember. But anyway, he says this. This is great. Do you mention it? He he wrote to me. Uh, do you mention in your video that only three? of the kids reported any kind of wordless communication okay let's just stop there for a second on the first sentence here now he's saying there's only three of the kids reported any kind of wordless communication like only only three what do you mean only three <laughs> I, I i'm not sure what the number is right i know that there's at least three I, i'm not sure how many others were uh, received messages but okay three kids received telepathic communication that's not enough what do you want you want the all 62 of them though have received the communication? What are you talking? What are you getting at here? Anyway, then he writes, this is another good one. This doesn't include Salma. He's talking about Salma Siddiq, who was one of the kids at the time. This doesn't include Salma, who was one meter from the alien, yet she received no message. Why? Okay, well, he wants me to answer why. I don't know the reason why, but hey, let's let's. what, what did Salma say? I actually dug up... Uh, uh, there was a something I found on Reddit where she was. Uh, it was a, a meeting. Or she she was a spe she was a speaking engagement, and she was talking about her experience. And I will leave the link in the description uh, for people like Gideon Reed uh, to look at if they, uh, if they want more information. But anyway, what she here's what she experienced. Right, uh, this isn't enough. Anyway, she said that uh, for one thing, this uh, there's a, there's she there's people there's debunkers and deniers that like to say that oh all those kids were influenced by stuff on TV. Well, Selma Siddick said, well, no, uh, they only had three. There's only uh, three TV stations that they had, right? So there was nothing to influence the kids. Uh, and she said, unless you want to count ET, the extraterrestrial, or the Jetsons. Okay, that was one thing. And now she was one of the older kids at the time, and. Uh, 
She saw the being. She said the being was four feet high, humanesque in qualities, uh, very unusual, big black eyes, right? Now, when it first happened, she saw the, the, the something glimmering, and she just thought it was a reflection for something, and she saw the kids running toward it. So she went over there because she, she was worried about her brother and her sister because she didn't want them to be scared about whatever was going on. She, when she got there, she was she found herself one to two feet away from one of this one of these beings, and she, she was frozen in place. She said she couldn't move. She could not break eye lock, right? That's what she said. She said she was frozen in place and couldn't break the eye lock that she was engaged in. She said there was an eerie quietness around me. And in my mind, as we locked eyes, uh, she no longer heard the chaos of the playground. All the noise just went away. She says, I felt timeless stillness, captivated by this presence, unsureness of what I was looking at, but knowing it was not the norm. I know now, even if I... If, even if I don't make complete sense of it, it was special. And then uh, she, she explained it was like a bad dream. And when it was over, she was when she was finally able to break from the eye lock, she finally somehow break, broke from it. She was concerned about her younger brother and sister. That's what she went looking for, right? She said it was very hard to break free. But when she did break free, she felt very exhausted. It was an exhausting experience for her. So there you go. I mean, that, that, that's, she was, okay, okay, she, maybe she didn't have, uh, there was no telepathic uh, transference of information into her brain, but she was, she was, she couldn't move, A, right? And she was stuck in some sort of eye lock. That's not enough. And again, she's only one of 60 some kids that were there that, that saw this thing up close. So I don't know what this person's getting at. Again, they're, they're, they're reaching at straws. It's driving them crazy. It's driving them mad. They can't deal with this reality. And the aerial school, they just, they, they, they don't have any explanation for it. And they're trying. They're trying and they can't do it because there's no way they can do it because it really did happen. Anyway, continuing here with some more. Uh, and somebody else responded to him, this other guy, Charlie Weiser. So, and, and those three were all asked leading questions by John Mack until they came up with what he wanted to hear. What? Where's that at? I never saw that. That's not true. That's that's nonsense. They show I've seen interviews. They weren't leading questions. John Mack knew what he was doing. He was a trained psychiatrist. He was a Harvard professor. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't asking them leading questions. But see, these people just say these things because they don't know what else to say because that's all they can say. What else could they do? They just got to attack the researchers because they don't have any researchers of their own, right? There's no debunker or Mick West or none of these people, right? They never traveled over there. They never met with all these people that were witnesses to this. You don't see any books written by these people that are trying to explain Ariel. They don't. That's the last thing they want to talk about. Again, it's like it's like if, it's, it's like I'm Van Helsing and they're Dracula, and I'm here. I, you know, instead of a crucifix, it's like it's Ariel School, Ariel School, and they're like, they can't stand it, they hate it. That's driving them insane. But anyway, it's a good thing though because this might be what breaks them. This might be what finally breaks through the whole. If we keep talking about the Ariel School, it becomes, you know, you look at this story. There's nothing here. No, nobody can really say anything to, to dispute it. It's, it's, you, it's, you can't really criticize it. It's, you, it's a story with, with enough witnesses. It's incapable of criticism. It just can't. You can't. It's just nothing there. It's, it's a done deal. It's real. It really happened. Aliens were there. They, they were Kids saw them. A lot of them did. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, 
Then somebody else writes here, BR writes, when watching video interviews, not just reading transcripts, between Dr. Mack and the aerial school children, does it seem to you that he was misleading the kids with his questions and they were responding affirmatively rather than recounting their actual memories and experiences? And I just simply responded, no. No, it did not. No, he was, they were telling him what happened. See, again, these people, they're, they're driving them insane. They can't deal with this. This is too much. It's too much for them. Aerial school is, it's again, it's like it's like hanging a, a, a chain of, with, with a chunk of kryptonite around Superman's neck. and I can't do anything. I'm useless now. Hey, get this kryptonite off my neck. Get this aerial school off my neck. I can't. I can't lie with it on. I, I sound stupid when I'm lying now. They can't. They're better off just staying away from it. They're better off just staying away from it because it's, <laughs> this ain't gonna get them anywhere. They're gonna drive. The, actually, you know what's happening here though. By keeping, by bringing up the aerial school incident on a regular basis, constantly hammered it away, hammered it away, hammered. Sooner or later, you're gonna chisel away at this, and you're gonna they're gonna have to uh, just acknowledge it. I mean, what else? There's no there's no there's nowhere to hide from it. It's real, and there's not not a, no amount of of nonsense uh, debunkerism is gonna change anything here. It's just not. You, you just got too many witnesses again i said this before if this went to a court of law these people would be they, they this would it would be over the court would you know it would be you know yeah aerial school is real next case bring in the next case yeah these people just don't have they don't have a leg to stand on here they're 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 losing their grip on this one this is the one that drive i mean mick west and all these other debunkers could talk about ufo pictures and and rotation and gimbal videos all day long but when it comes to aerial school it's driving them crazy they can't debunk it there's no way to debunk it too many witnesses oh my god let's just pretend it didn't happen oh this guy's talking about it on twitter again uh, let, let's try to let's try to come up with some lies and and, and try to make him go away I, I don't know. I feel sorry for them. I mean, actually, you know, the, the, the reality of this whole situation start. I think what's happening here, you're seeing they're, they're starting to crack. That's what the bottom line is. Aerial school is causing some of the deniers and debunkers. It's causing them to begin to, to, to crack. They're starting to crack at the seams. And, and it's they, they, they just they can't find the answer there's no solution no solution that they have nothing makes sense to them i mean you go from the aerial pup the the traveling pup magical traveling puppeteer troop theory which was presented earlier this year and then you have nonsense like this hey only three kids said they were uh, had received telepathic only three huh hmm wow just three hmm what about the, and selma oh no well no selma well uh well, what about Selma? She said she was frozen in place and she couldn't move and she was she was locked in an eye lock with this being and she was only uh, one to two feet away from it. You know, look at, the, I'll leave the link, check it out, you know? It, you're, you're starting to crack, they're starting to crack, they can't take it, they hate it, they hate, they hate people like me. <laughs> they don't like talking to people like me online because, I mean, I mean, could you imagine, let's say one of these debunkers ever tried to debate me, imagine what that would be like, I mean, Imagine, imagine. I mean, I mean, I I know what will happen. I know who's going to win that debate. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a real UFO historian.
Okay, we are back. Uh, the Debrief, uh, an online publication, recently had an article talking about how the uh, New Mexico is going to be getting the uh, largest center for historical records uh, ever. And it's appropriately in New Mexico, of course. That's where the Roswell crash occurred. Uh, anyway, here's the headline. We're going to go through this article. It says, Nation's largest center for historical records on UFOs to be established in New Mexico. And we're going to read some through some of this article. It's written by Micah Hanks. It says, The largest historical archive of records on unidentified aerial phenomena in the nation will be unveiled in New Mexico in the coming years, according to a group of leading UFO historians and archivists. The National UFO Historical Records Center, or NUFORC, will be dedicated to the preservation and centralization of UFO slash UAP information in the United States, according to a press release from announcing the, non, the new nonprofit organization. Led by researcher and historian David Marler, the organization has announced its plans to have its archive housed at a, at a facility in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. Drawing from collections housed by several researchers from across the country, the National UFO Historical Records Center will feature documents from the collections of archivists Jan Aldrich, Rod Dyke, Barry Greenwood, Rob Swiatek, and several others. Notably, the organization's New Mexico facility will also house collections owned by the J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies following the transfer of files by its director, Mark Rodiger, PhD, to Marler in November 2020. Included with this collection are the personal files of J. Allen Hynek, the center's namesake, who served as scientific advisor to the United States Air Force's official UFO investigations for close to two decades, which, as we know, is Project Blue Book. Uh, continuing here, it says... Marler is currently in possession of the files formerly maintained by the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, which at one time represented the largest civilian UFO investigative organization in the United States, and says that as many as a dozen more private UFO collections have already been promised to be delivered to the facility over the next two years. Let me just stop there for a second. Now, NICAP, of course, as uh, some of you may know, uh, that was headed by uh, the late um, uh, Marine Major Donald Kehoe, of course, who was the first major UFO investigator who wrote several books back in the 50s, had a lot of inside uh, connections with, to the Pentagon at that time and uh was very upset that there was a cover-up and he you know he never got to see it uh he never saw this got to see the cover-up exposed uh, in his lifetime but anyway continuing here's a, a direct quote from marler it says with the accumulated data we hope to assist with serious research endeavors and aid in an accurate chronicling of ufo slash uap history for present and future generations regardless of belief or non-belief in the subject Marler, who spoke with the debrief at length about the new endeavor, expressed appreciation for the renewed public interest in the UFO subject seen in recent years. What he says, here's another quote, it says, What I find, though, is that despite the ever-increasing amount of people that are looking at the UFO or UAP subject, not a lot of people, a very small percentage, are interested in the history. Everyone wants to know what's new, and part of that is due, I think, to the framework by which the intelligence community and the media in recent years has framed a discussion, this new discussion. Everyone seems to be looking at 2004 moving forward, Marler told the debrief, noting that we know that this history is diverse and rich and stretches 
many decades back, if not even further. I'm trying to preserve the history of the pre-2004 era, Marler says, much of which the general public public has not seen. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Now, yeah, this is something that I've talked about before uh, on numerous podcasts over the past uh, year and a half. But the fact is, is that there are a lot of people that think that UFOs didn't start turning up until 2004. That's basically the, uh, the, the you know, that year is when David Fravers and, you know, and, and it's some of his uh, other colleagues had witnessed the uh, Tic Tac uh, object. Now, of course, <laughs> as we talk about, this goes way back. This goes back to the 1947 at least. Uh, you know, as as far as the military becoming very interested in UFOs, it really started in 1947 because that's when everyone's really started seeing. That's when they showed up in force. And there's been so much stuff that's happened over the decades. Uh, you know, and, and it's really awesome that there's going to be one big central place for all this information. That's going to be totally awesome. And you know, I'm uh, I'm really thrilled about it. I'm glad that there's people out there like Marler who are, uh, you know take this seriously the history the history of this subject is very important we need to have all the history uh everything that we know uh compiled in, in a place like this there needs to be a central database and this looks like it's going to be a you know, very impressive and uh and there, again it's a lot more than just starting from 2004 this is starting from uh, who knows how when it really started but since 1947 uh you know it's it's been a big deal and there's been lots of different uh reports and lots of different encounters between between military uh, officials and uh, i mean it's just so much have, has happened over over the, the decades and this is going to be the place to go uh, whether you believe in it or not if you're looking for something like he says here it doesn't matter if even if you're a non-believer if you, you need to do some research with regard to uh something that has to do with ufos you could you know maybe you're going to write some paper trying to debunk something well this is somewhere where you would go uh some, something that you would look to uh for possible information to assist you in whatever you're going to put together and anyway continuing here it says apart from historical doc documents related to ufos from the united states marler says the new organization will also be home to records from countries in south america and other parts of the world the inclusion of which will aim to provide a more diverse historical perspective on the subject and its global presence well let's just stop there for a second of course there's a global presence when it comes to ufos i mean everyone's seen in, in every single country there's reports of ufos for decades now it's everywhere so it's good that it's going to have every not just the united states but everywhere else okay here's another quote from marler it says we have a diverse history beyond just domestic united states case files marler told a debrief noting that he is currently working with translators to produce english versions of documentation from spanish and french speaking countries that is totally awesome i'm just gonna stop there for a second see there's a lot of stuff you know you, you might not know about because it's in, written in a different language uh or you might know about it but there's more information out there but because you don't speak that language or you don't read that language you 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 can't get that additional information that's awesome news to hear this so this is big news for the uh if you're interested in ufo history i'm sure people like uh, uh richard m dolan the author of uh the books ufos and the national security state volumes one and two those two best books out there on uf the two most key books i think that you need to get those books if you're going to have uh, if you're interested in ufos right i i'm sure people like him are, are very happy about this announcement okay here i'm going to continue reading here it says longtime researcher barry greenwood who has collected historical information on ufos from periodicals and other publicly available sources as well as through the persistent and successful use of freedom of information act requests over the course of several decades 
emphasize the importance of having publicly accessible digitized records on UFOs. I think it's the culmination of efforts by a lot of people in the past, Green, Greenwood told the debrief. If we make an effort to, say, scan the material and use, use it in different portions to different sites, it can be used all over the world. That's incredible, Greenwood added. I remember the days when we couldn't access anything much outside the United States and Canada. So this is a big deal. Echoing Greenwood's statements, Marler emphasized the critical importance of making historical records related to UFO investigations available to the public, as well as their centralization. We're at a very critical juncture right now as it relates to the UFO subject, but specifically UFO history, Marler said. We have a whole new era of legitimacy applied to the UFO subject that we've never had before, Marler adds, noting the involvement of government agencies like NASA who only months ago announced that it would conduct its own study of UAP, as well as independent efforts by scientists and organizations who are taking the subject seriously. Um, I, I won't, I'm not going to read the rest of it. I'll leave the rest of it uh, so you can check it out for yourself. But I just want to talk about all of this. I think it's, it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic that we're going to have this big database. And I'm sure a lot of this information will be made available online. I'm sure they'll have their own website and everything else. But it'd be a place I'd like to visit, uh, you know, once it's there. Of course, I would definitely love to visit a place like this. I mean, you'd probably spend months there just going through all the data, all the files, a lot of things you probably never even... Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's, I mean, I, I learn new things all the time about UFOs. It's never, you can never stop learning. I mean, there's different stories you hear all the time. And I'm sure, uh, you know, this, if you had a database like this, you mean, uh, it would be just, it would be like heaven on earth for people like me to be able to go into a place like that and dig through their files and see what they got. I mean, find out about cases I never heard of before. I mean, just every now and then I talk about, you know, <laughs> there's so many different cases, you know, just for instance, I, I, there was an abduction case that uh, I talked about in a podcast uh, uh, where some woman was abducted right in front of her friend. Uh, I can't think of the name right off the bat here, but I mean, I never heard of that. And then I, I, I read about it and I saw it. it was on one of the UFO channels that I watch, uh, UFOB or Eyes on Cinema, one of those. So then I looked into it and I did a, my own podcast about it. I mean, there's just always new things you're learning about. And if you had it all in a centralized place like this, that would be great. I mean, you know, the Internet is filled with all different kinds of uh, UFO data. You know, you, you, you're searching all different periodicals. I actually subscribe right now to newspapers.com. And so I could go and check old newspapers right now. Uh, on different UFO cases and stories that appeared in newspapers in the past. So, so that's, you know, it, it would be great if you had a place like this where you probably, all the information you would need is all in one place. That would be awesome. And it's good news for, uh, you know, people interested in this. And it's important. UFO history is very, very important. I mean, uh, you know, the government, you know, the United States government, they've been lying for years about this, and you, you need to have people out there t exposing the truth, telling the truth, giving the truth, giving the providing the true historical perspective on a lot of these uh, UFO incidents over the years, uh, which right now the government, uh, for whatever reason, is incapable or uh, of doing or cannot do or will not do for whatever reason, what, why they keep still maintaining the secrecy. You know, it's, you know, there's could be many reasons. Uh, 
Uh, but uh, again, I, I, I'm, you need to have a, a good historic, a, a place like this where you're going to have all these historical records stored in one place, and it's going to be like a, 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 a place like it's going to be like heaven for UFO researchers. Let's put it that way. Probably anything you're going to want, you're going to want to find is going to be at this place, and that's that's good news for the future of UFOs.